Welcome to today's episode of the Public Health Networker. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. Today we are speaking with Taisha Matthew, who is sharing her wonderful examples and experiences as an advocate for various healthcare concerns and causes. Taisha is one of our interns at the Public Health Media Network. She is a master's in public health student, and she has been doing amazing work with us. She works with so many causes, including sickle cell awareness and advocacy, in addition to breast cancer, disability awareness, working with the youth, hygiene, and so much more. So we hope you enjoy this episode as she talks to us about what it's like to work in service and community advocacy for public health. And to learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. Thank you so much for being here for the Public Health Networker podcast. Today, we're speaking to Taisha Matthew. She is one of our interns at the Public Health Podcast and Media Network. She considers herself a soldier in the trenches, and she is a healthcare advocate. Welcome, Taisha. Thank you so much, April, for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, today I invited you to join the podcast and speak to us today because of your work in advocacy and awareness for a variety of diseases and health conditions. You've done so much wonderful work with us. You've shared important information about various disease communities and awareness. I know uh, you've talked about mental health awareness, breast cancer. And today I see you've got um, on your your screen, you're uh, sharing about sickle cell awareness even. So, you know, I'm very grateful for you and very grateful for the advocacy and work that you do. You can tell us about your volunteer work. And, you know, there's so many things that we'd really like to hear about for that. Tell us a little bit more about you and then how you got started in the field of public health. You might as well say I fell into public health. I had the traditional route of when I'm done with uh, college, going straight into Madison. And for some reason, I spoke to my sociology advisor and he said, why don't you also look into a year and a half of public health? And I said, oh, okay, let me give that a try. And literally, I've been stuck with it ever since. Um, I fell in love with the first job I had in public health, which, well, a form of public health, which was being a behavioral tech. So provided support for families, especially youth that have disabilities and aren't being understood. And the parents as well aren't being understood either. And from that experience, I've worked I've worked there for about a year and a half. And then I just started going up the rails. So going from there, I went into AmeriCorps. From AmeriCorps, I had the opportunity to be in Oakwood Avenue Community School in Orange, New Jersey. And that opportunity provided me to be a literacy coach, uh, create a program, assist in creating and facilitating a program called Girl Empowerment Group, working with the sixth to eighth greater students about hygiene, mental health, uh, interpersonal skills. And it just started building and building, going to Jersey Cares, volunteering with Josephine's Place about assisting women, especially women who are immigrants, learning how to speak English, how to use the computer. And then I just, I just kept going. It literally just something after another. After that opportunity, I was working as a youth coach from the Family Support Organization of Union County, back to providing developmental skills and team building with youth. And then I said, oh my goodness, I'm falling into the youth category. Something's really sticking with me. 
And then unfortunately, COVID hit during that time. And so everything had to be remote. Uh, we transitioned well, but then the program was a bit slowing down. Students weren't as engaged as much, especially a worldwide. Everyone just had a halt about how to live life, how to wake up every morning, how to actually focus on your health. But then people keep forgetting about your mental health and social ways of interacting with one another. And that was when I started journaling. And that's from journaling. I just started re-remembering what is so important to me, which is to advocate. Mm -hmm. And then I became a case investigator. I was advocating for those for the state of Indiana and remotely. And it was very challenging listening to like one story. I'll briefly mention April. Um, This woman called in and she said that she has three children in the house and she contracted COVID and she's single mother. What can she do? What resources can she have? Is she able to go back to work? And I had to provide her access to the local um, community food banks. I had to provide her access with a nurse on the line. I had to make sure I provide documentation for her and her three children if they need to take time away from school or even daycare. Even those having to give bad news where you call in and you have to provide information about someone who contracted COVID. But guess what? I find out that that person has passed on. And so having to understand grief is a whole different spectrum of understanding prevention and mental health, especially during that time, I wasn't educated on it. Mm -hmm. And it prepared me to really understand, wow, medicine, healthcare, psychology, you cannot set foot into those spaces if you don't understand the people that you're servicing, if you don't take the time to be an active listener, be an advocator, being aware, educating myself, let alone educating others. So to be in that type of space and be in that type of role, I have to be able to learn how to be a teammate and learn how to take the back seat before being able to lead. And it was very, it was, it was a hitting time, but it taught me a lot. It taught us all a lot. And from that opportunity, I went in into being, I'm volunteering currently in a few different locations. Um, One as a social media ambassador for Tempa's Women Hygiene Drive. One as a, as a facilitator and health wellness coordinator for the Sickle Cell. So My Three, My Three Sickler Sickle Cell Nonprofit Foundation, which is based in Georgia. And Caring Contact, which partners with 988 as a listening community. And I just recently became a board member for TKE, the Knowledge Exchange, that's also in Virginia. And that focuses on the mission of uh, outreach for youth and caregivers on education. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I have, a, I have a few things going on, April. So you got to let me know where you want me to <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing your story about yeah. how you got started in public health and you know public health is so broad but what really made me want to interview you is to hear your story about how that particular aspect of public health is where you felt drawn the aspect of serving and community and volunteering and advocacy it's a very hands-on a very direct a very literal approach to public health. 
what has this been like for you? Or how were you drawn to this? It could have just been like, you know, working in an office and working on policy or which all of it is wonderful in its own way. But the work that you're doing is very direct, actual, literal, like you can actually give that impact to people and you can see it in action. How did you get drawn into this and how has it been for you? What draws me is the audience I want to serve, meaning the population, and have they been heard? I always keep saying to myself, every day is a new day to start something that I need to do. And so, for example, for the sickle cell, what draw me to that is I have the trait and my uncle passed away on Christmas Day two years ago. And it was a very heartfelt time. It was very challenging. After his passing, it resonated with me to want to volunteer in a space that not only feels like a safe space, but also a space that resonates with me personally. So every aspect of my work thus far, because I consider volunteerism work because service is work. You have to be passionate. You have to be there. All the jobs or volunteerisms I've been doing, they all resonate with me in different ways, but they didn't hit me personally home. And that opportunity drew me firsthand saying, you know what, I need to be somewhere in a space where they're not being heard or they need a voice to speak up for them in different spaces. And so that's what drew me to the MTS, My Three Sicklers Foundation. When it came to the social media ambassador, it literally was, I went on Instagram and I typed in period, just the word period. And I saw a young lady made a Instagram page about what she's doing for a project at school. And then I just messaged her. And then afterwards, I just said, you know what? If you want to, maybe we could connect more. She's a complete stranger. I don't know her. She's in Florida. And I mentioned to her, you know, why don't you consider the idea of expanding? Maybe have a couple ambassadors and social media ambassadors and educate your awareness about period poverty for those who menstruate. Like, have it be voice and educated in different platforms. Maybe connect it with local community centers, YMCAs, local prisons, perhaps. Try to really branch it out just a little bit if you're interested. But I really didn't expect for her to reach back out to me. And then literally a week later, she said, oh my goodness, Taisha, it's a great opportunity. I'd love for you to come on board with me if you have the chance. And it resonated with me. Like I thought about the couple that was standing in front of my apartment complex. They were they were homeless. They would sleep in the ditch and I would bring some breakfast or lunch to them. And when I would see them asking or not even asking, and I'm thinking, wow, how does she manage with her toiletries, her hygiene? Yeah. And then when I saw this, I said, you know what? It's It works hand in hand. It resonated with me because it was personally, I personally saw it and I made sure to get involved in something that struck me. Caring Contact is a listening community that focuses on being the support for individuals who call in. We do handle crisis calls as well. That's why we partner with 988. And what resonated with me is the fact that I've had close friends and family that had suicidal thoughts or at least suffered with depression or sadness or even just wanted someone to talk to. It wasn't even about having a mental illness or mental health challenges. It was just needing that connection because guess what? There was a time we couldn't even have that connection. COVID really taught us well that connection means a lot. And literally, April, every single opportunity I've gotten involved with hits home with something that's important to me. And hits home with 
who I'm trying to provide support to. It's such a difference, right? When you're studying a disease, working on something as part of a job or mm -hmm. part of a class project, it's very different from when you see someone in your family, a loved one, or in real life experiencing something when it's you or a family member it's it's a whole like it's just it brings everything into a new dimension it's like it, it puts the color tv on right oh yes it does truly like literally when they tell you you don't know what someone's going through until you go through it yourself that is the most i always used to think oh no i can handle it no it's true you don't know there's this phrase my late grandmother used to say god rest her soul she used to tell me in Creole, and I'm going to translate after. Wash no glow, pakon mise wash no soleil. The rocks in the water do not understand the sufferings and burns of the rocks that lay on top of the sand. Mm -hmm. That says a lot. That always stuck with me because it's true. You don't truly know what's it like being on land with the heat, with the animals kicking and tossing and one minute the waves are coming up a certain way it's ravishing it's it's one minute it's like a tornado another minute it could be winter time another you don't know what's going on with those rocks on land mm -hmm. the ones in the water they always stay cool even if it snows it's it's, it's icy cold but it's it's still cool and when it comes to being in a healthcare advocate overall because for me personally, I feel that it's not even just the public health and it's not even just the medicine. It's not even just the psychological aspect when you're looking at social behavioral and interactions. It's literally understanding how individuals live their lives and allowing them to feel empowered with how they're living their lives. Because literally, April, how you're living your life and how I'm living my life is two different ways. But as long as our strengths are being recognized, we could find a way to improve our weaknesses. That's when equity kicks in. Yeah. We could find a way to improve our weaknesses, but that's if we have that support to get there. Oh, you shared a beautiful example of really not knowing or understanding, not fully being able to understand something until you're part of it. It impacts you personally in some way. I really appreciate that. In terms of your advocacy and your work and even the, the work that you do with us in terms of health awareness, what are some of your future plans? Where, where do you find yourself moving forward with, with the work that you're currently doing? What do you see in your future ahead um, with regard to public health? I see leadership roles. So possibly a doctorate, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> But I'm also thinking perhaps maybe leading or creating a nonprofit. I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year, five years, 10 years. But I do know it's coming up my avenue. It's something that I did not expect. I didn't think I would resonate so much with so many different people. One of the things that hits me the most is the lack of support for those who are immigrants in healthcare. Especially, especially when it comes to language barriers. And even if you do have the opportunity to have a social worker or some form of professional to support you, there's still this sense of lack of connection. Mm -hmm. 
especially if it's not someone that perhaps speaks your language or perhaps someone that you know. Oh my goodness, policy with insurance is a whole different. That's a whole different. It's like community that's missing, right? That that people yeah. are not being given a certain level of I cultural don't respect, humility. but yeah, cultural definitely cultural humility is missing in many cases. Like someone doesn't speak English, therefore you know dot dot dot, right? They have all these assumptions, and it's really yeah, it's disappointing. It's like almost. Yeah, they're not seen as the same as everyone else, you know. The ironic part, not funny part, the ironic part about it all is they're being labeled something. And so the service or support they're supposed to receive, they never fully get it. Exactly. The quality of the services. And I mean, even from like a patient record, you know, when we're talking about healthcare, how difficult does it have to be that everything is only in English? We have so many resources and tools and it's just, it's mind blowing that people still feel uncomfortable going into clinics or community centers just to receive support. It's, it's frightening. It hurts. It's It's like, wow, come on. Like till this day, like how do you go to the doctor and ask for help with a condition, things like that, that you you're in that room. You know, that level of health quality, healthcare quality is just, it just seems very obvious that there's going to be a difference in, you know, because of a language need, a language barrier, whatever it is, there's going to be a difference in quality. And not only with the language barrier, April, let's take it another step further. They might receive the medication, right? So they might be judged and being frowned upon. Oh, well, so-and-so is not taking the medication. But guess what? So-and-so does not know how to take the medication. For them to receive the support and take the medication and understand, they have to understand, first of all, what's happened, what's going to happen to them when they take it? How do they take it? So they have 30 tablets or 60, depending how it's prescribed. And then from there, you just go, okay, well, is it once, twice a day? Is it once, twice a day before meals, after meals? How do you explain that? Mm-hmm. And then keep in mind, there's a culture that needs to be respected too, because what if the person celebrates Ramadan? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. There's so mm-hmm. many different ways that lack of cultural awareness or cultural competency or cultural humility. It's like we're trying to be blinded by it by just saying, oh, everyone's the same. We're all human. I mean, blood runs the same way. It's all, it's red. <laughs> it appears red, yeah. you know? We both we both have veins and arteries, no matter what. But there's a difference in how we get up and live our lives daily in order to be the people who we are. And that has to be a component that is respected and recognized. And that kind of connects to my next question in mm-hmm. terms of what you want people to know. What should people, or what do people need to know about public health or as it relates to the work that you're doing in advocacy? People need to know, like you mentioned earlier on that I said, I'm a soldier in the trenches. People need to know that not everything that you're going to share, people want to hear. Because sometimes the truth hurts a lot and it stings. And while it's being in the trenches, at times it's not even that people don't want to hear it. They might not even be aware that they're in that situation especially if they feel 
comfortable or that's what their safe zone is and they don't know that it's unhealthy because a lot of times we look at someone and we're like wait why don't you do this we keep saying why instead of well how can we help mm -hmm. or what is causing the person to react this way instead of providing healthy stable and pathetic ways of support we're giving judgment we're giving stigma we're being prejudiced perhaps and public health, the word public means everybody. Mm -hmm. So for me, I see it as what needs to be taken away with public health, being aware that everyone is, everyone has a battle of their own. Everyone can either put the their right arm in their sleeve and left arm in the other sleeve, or they may not have any arms to put into sleeves either. But that does not, dictate the fact or devalue them as a human being so public health is an awareness of us being human us being different but us all being the same thank you that's beautiful and again public health is for everyone yes thank you how can people connect with you how can people learn more oh, about the work that you do maybe share your social media <laughs> with us Okay. Okay. Um, I do have different platforms of social media, but my first is LinkedIn. So my first and last name. So T-A-I-S-H-A Matthew M-A-T-H-I-E-U. So that's in French. So you just type it in in LinkedIn and then you can find me. So unfortunately I have two accounts because I made one way back when I first started in college trying to figure it out. But I have the second one, which is most up-to-date and current. And that's the one with my yellow blazer on. So the minute you find me with my yellow blazer and red frames, that's the one that I'm on right now and using constantly and meeting different people, having conferences and things of that nature. Other ways to reach me, the same way my first and last name on Instagram. Facebook, I'm not much on Facebook, but my Facebook connects to my Instagram. And I do hope for anyone that is listening, um, for the MTS, My Three, uh, My Three Sickler Sickle Cell Foundation, we do have a hangout. We meet every fourth Thursday of the month. I am the facilitator there, the coordinator, and Mapilla Dawn, who is the CEO and founder. Uh, we're choosing to expand a little bit, and so have it as a live instead of just having it on the platform of the website with the Zoom link, we're planning to have it expanded. So anyone that either has sickle cell, has a sibling that has sickle cell or a spouse or a partner or who is a caregiver or who has a child that has sickle cell, please be welcome to join. Um, it's a safe space to share, to laugh, to cry, and to educate one another. There's always something new going on with research. There's always something new going on with policy. Like recently Biden this, uh, expanded more accessibility research and providing medication support when it comes to those with sickle cell. So come on down to the hangout. Um, you're going to find the link of that organization on my Instagram page. So you'll find TKE the knowledge exchange for the nonprofit for education on there. You're going to find um, 
Tampa Bay's Women Hygiene Drive on there if you're interested in women poverty. You're also going to find My Three Sickle Cell Foundation on there as well. So those top threes you'll find. But uh, but yes, Caring Contact's another one that I'm part of. That's, those are all the ways you can find me or through my email. My email is my first name. So T-A-I-S-H-A period M-A-T-H-I-E-U, the number two at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for our conversation today. I'm really grateful that we've connected. I'm really grateful that you're part of our team at yes. Public Health Podcast and Media Network. And I look forward to continuing to see you grow and continuing to support the work that you do. Thank you.